earth. So if we are a part of this, how do we prepare for this task, this race ahead of us? How do we prepare to run wholeheartedly? And as we've prepared, how do we stay in shape? And um, if you pay attention to some of the words in that scripture that we've just read, one of the things that stands out to me is fix your eyes on Jesus. And I think that's a critical piece of our journey, isn't it? That when we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, um, he's the author of our faith, he's the perfecter of it, but he's also our informer. He'll show us our steps as we're going along, as we lean into him. So very critical piece. Um, but today, I'd like to um, kind of talk about another discipline another discipline that can prepare us for this race. And this discipline um, is one that has changed my life. Um, so I'm pretty passionate about it, and I'm excited to share it with you guys. It's the discipline of kind of understanding who we are and then living from that with purpose. Um, Proverbs 4:23 says, "Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it." So the condition of our hearts will either propel us forward in advancing God's kingdom, because that's what we're here for. We're partnering with Jesus in advancing his kingdom, or it runs the risk of keeping us in kind of a place of self-protection, hiding, um, performance. Um, the list goes on, and these things keep us from having our eyes fixed on Jesus and running with perseverance. I think that one of the reasons I like this imagery so much is that, first, I like being fit. I like running, um, or I used to. I haven't been doing it as much lately. Um, and although for most of my life I've been physically strong, um, for the first half of my life, I emotionally and spiritually was crippled. I walked with a limp. And um, I have experienced God's redemption in certain areas of my life which have brought such relief and change. And that's what I want to share with you today so that not only am I fit and able to run a race physically, I feel more free to emotionally and spiritually persevere in this race of life. At the age of 26, I decided to take uh, a, do a degree, a master's degree in theology with a focus on counseling, because I wanted to help people. And, um, I wanted to do the theology alongside because I knew that Jesus was my greatest comfort. Um, and I can remember sitting in front of my first client. It was my internship, and um, it was a secular organization. And as this woman was sharing with me her past and the pain and turmoil that existed in her past and now had come into her um, current situation, she shared with hopelessness and despair. 
and I remember sitting there and feeling myself identifying with her situation as hopeless. That's not a good thing for a counselor. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you're right. Your situation is hopeless without Jesus. And I can't share that with you right now in this setting, which makes me feel hopeless. And that was a defining moment for me. I realized, okay, I am not called for uh, counseling in a secular setting. Um, but I, I felt God's uh, call on my life to learn how to partner with him, inviting Jesus into the conversation in my own life more and also in the lives that I would be um, involved with. Um, so after I graduated, I met a fellow by the name of Alf Davis. He was a Christian counselor in Oakville, and he took me under his wing. He told me how to marry um, counseling and um, in Jesus in a conversation. So there are strategies, there are way of, ways of doing this, and I was so excited to learn. But he also walked me through incredible healing. He um, introduced me to Jesus in many new ways of um, restoration. And so lots of what I'm gonna share with you this morning, I learned from him. So Catch the Fire, um, has a real value of healed hearts, restoring the heart. Why would a church be so invested in this? Why would we as a body of believers consider this to be a high value? Well, I think that there are lots of reasons that we could focus in on, but as I've already alluded to this morning, I'd like to focus on one in particular, and that is that um, as we understand who we are in Christ, as we understand how we've been designed and with purpose, it will change how we cooperate with the Lord. And that he has given us purpose and it's exciting to think of our place in that race. Um, and so as we are restored, we can um, more wholeheartedly run this race with him. So um, our place in the kingdom of God is as a part of God's family. We are sons and daughters. We hear this regularly. And we are in invited into intimate relationship with God, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. And it's in this intimate relationship with the Trinity that we can experience peace and joy um, that passes understanding. And as sons and daughters, we're also invited to rule and reign. We are ambassadors. And that means that we're not actually citizens of earth, we're citizens of heaven as restored creations. And we're here representing heaven. Um, I sometimes think about what would the world look like? How would it be different if we were all um, functioning in uh, a more full understanding of our identity 
and um, with wholeness and restoration it, and purpose for our calling, I think it, our world would look pretty different. I think that um, it, it's something to go for. So we can um, refer to um, what we've been talking to as our identity in Christ, our true identity, who we are as redeemed and spirit-filled. So the Bible says that we have been redeemed, and if we're spirit-filled, why do we not consistently experience and reflect our true identity? I think the answer is pretty obvious and maybe s simple. Uh, we live in a broken world. We're subject to our own sin, and we're subject to the sin that's all around us. As well, from a very young age, we're learning about who we are and who God is from the words spoken to us and from the experiences that we have in life. And um, there's statistics that say that 80% of the feedback that we get in a day is negative. So that's pretty jaw-dropping. Jaw and if we're learning about who we are from these negative statements, it's no wonder that we're not always seeing ourselves clearly, right? So we can refer to this distorted, this, this not so clear perspective of who we are as our distorted understanding of who we are. So on the one hand, we have our true identity in Christ. On the other hand, we have this distorted understanding of who we are. And if you imagine an elastic band around my hands, um, the, and this is true identity, this is distorted understanding of who we are, the further they are from one another, what happens to that elastic band? It gets stretched, and the, the stretching creates tension in the band, doesn't it? So the, tr the same is true in our life, that this tension um, can create uh, hard emotions. Some of those emotions might be fear. I've got this, this weird dynamic going on. I, I, I believe this to be true of what I read in the Bible of who I am, but that's not how I feel, and that's not how people are treating me necessarily. So fear, anxiety, depression, anger, the list goes on. And so what we believe to be true, the thoughts that we entertain in our mind affect our emotions. So how do we direct, uh, address these hard emotions? Um, we learn, we expose the distortion, the distorted understanding of who we are. What are some of these beliefs? What are some of these uh, words that have been spoken over us that we've agreed with? And we um, break them, break the power of them in our lives, and we learn about who God says we are, what our purpose is, and how we've been designed, and we, we give strength to that. So um, Revelation 
I'd like to just walk you through a couple steps that will help us to do that, help us to break down the distorted understanding of who we are and build up our true identity in Christ. Um, so I hope this doesn't come across as do's and don'ts or um, shoulds or shouldn'ts. Um, I hope this comes across as an exciting treasure map into freedom. That's how I see it, that this, these are amazing tools that we can use to um, step into freedom. And if this is very familiar for some of you, it probably is, I would just uh, bless you to sit back and ask the Holy Spirit, what, what's next for me? What, what's my next stage in healing and freedom? So Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll go in and eat with him and he with me. So this is a picture of salvation. And there's a couple things that we can learn about this picture. Um, it says that Jesus is standing at the door knocking. And we could imagine this to be like the door of our house, the door of our being. There's only a handle on the inside of the door. He's not going to force his way in. He's gentle and kind. He respects our will. He's waiting to be invited. And when we say yes to him, when we acknowledge that we need his grace in our life, there's transformation in our heart. We are healed um, from the sin our, the original sin in our life and this is called salvation um, so most houses have more than a front foyer we've got some slides for this love more um, so this is the slide for um, it, salvation we're inviting Jesus into the front hall of our house our being and he's healing our heart in salvation but we also have, um, typically, more rooms in our house than a front foyer. And um, so salvation is a first step. And it doesn't mean that we're sanctified. From the beginning, our minds have been influenced by the fall and polluted by living in the world. So the second big step of healing is described in Romans 12.2. It says, do not uh, conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, so Alf suggests that uh, this, uh, these distortions of who we are, this distorted understanding of who we are, is fed primarily, primarily through four um, aspects of our life. And I'm just going to walk us through those uh, quickly. The first one is sin. And you might say, but wait a minute, that's salvation. Um, we've been forgiven. That's the step of salvation. And abs absolutely, that's true. If we can have the slide with the, the house for a second, Lovemore, thank you. So we've invited Jesus into the front foyer, but we've acknowledged that our house has more than, more than that room. And if we keep working with this imagery, um, we can assume that there may be different corridors of our being. 
And each of those corridors may have their own rooms with doors, handles on the inside where Jesus is standing and knocking, but he's not going to push his way through. So this first corridor um, that we're looking at is sin. And although we've in invited Jesus into our heart to heal us, um, we are actually very capable of keeping sections of who we are closed from people around us and from the Lord. And so um, how do we invite Jesus in to this corridor? How do we receive healing? We confess our sin. And I think the hesitation that lots of us have is because of shame. Shame would say, it's safest, actually, if I just keep this hidden. But that's the lie that we become enslaved to um, sin when we don't include Jesus. So the first um, area, sin, we deal with that through confession. The second is um, unforgiveness. See, these are very familiar topics. And unforgiveness... Um, how do we address that? How do we open the door to Jesus and invite him in? Through forgiveness. And um, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not a result of time passing. It's an act of our will where we say, Lord, um, I am not going to sit in this place of judge over the person, whoever has offended me anymore. I'm going to release them to you. I want to live in the um, grace and mercy that you have given to me. And uh, there's fruit to that. There, and the fruit of forgiveness is peace and the opportunity to experience joy. Um, and unforgiveness also has fruit. And when I think about unforgiveness, it just it seems like such a web to me that... Um, the fruit of unforgiveness is bitterness and anger and resentment and judgment and they they just keep us kind of tangled because with judgment we have to um, hide ourselves and we can't forgive and it just it creates a cycle of um, bondage so how do we uh, experience healing in this area we forgive and the next one is a biggie and that's lies. And um, I've alluded to my story a little bit, um, but this was where uh, I found myself very enslaved um, to fear. That um, at a young age, as a result of a circumstance in my life, um, I made the conclusion that I was stupid. I don't think anybody said it to me, but in the situation, I decided that's who I am. And as a result of that, it created an incredible amount of fear in my life. It had a much greater voice than reason or um, any external voices that would say otherwise. Because I had adopted... Um, and agreed in my heart, mind, that I was stupid was the truth. Um, external information 
otherwise didn't fit and I wouldn't be able to receive it. And um, as a result, I, um, my life was limited because I was so fearful. And so um, this, is, this gets to the part of being crippled. I wasn't able to do so many things because I was crippled by fear to hide this idea. I didn't want the world to know that I was stupid because that's how, what I believe to be true about myself. So how do we invite Jesus into this room where we're believing something to be true about ourselves? We may not even be aware of it. Um, and it seems untouchable because it's, it's just, it has become foundationally true in our, in our experience. And I like to think about it as open heart surgery, that the only healing restoration that I experienced is by hearing God's voice. He said to me, Joy, you're believing that you're stupid. And that was revelation in itself. And, and then he said, you know, it's not true. And that was in the open heart surgery, it was like pulling the lie out. Because my maker said, that's not true. I, you've been made fearfully and wonderfully. And then the other part of the surgery is him speaking what is true. Some of the things he spoke to me were that you're capable and, and able. And um, so major, uh, major healing in these moments where we encounter the Lord and um, so when we hear his words of truth, there is spiritual healing, but then we also have the opportunity to walk that out because for 20 years of my life, I had walked believing, maybe 25, I'm not sure, believing this to be true of myself. I had to figure out a new system of, of being. It's really, really good stuff. And the last uh, room is mental agreements. And there are a few different kinds of mental agreements. One would be a vow. It's a rigid mindset that we can make. Uh, for instance, that person hurt me. I'm never gonna talk to them again. So the, each four of these rooms are definitely connected and play together. Um, others are curses, words spoken against us. And some of those can be generational. We can see in our own lives and the lives of the people around us probably that there are generational things that pass down. And as well as the circumstance or the situation that I experienced as, at a young age which introduced this lie and fear, I can also see in my family line fear, 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 fear. It's just been moving down um, through the history of, of my family. So there becomes like an internal, a spiritual pressure maybe um, to step into this um, sin uh, of our ancestors. So how do we invite Jesus into this room of mental agreements? We recognize um, that they have, they're playing out in our life we um, renounce them. I don't want um, any 
uh, anger or sorry fear that's been passed down in my life I confess that I have partnered with it it's not my friend Lord would you remove it from my life and I'm sorry for giving it room in my life so um, renouncing and repenting is how we deal with that so it's in encountering Jesus in each of these areas of our life um, and hearing his voice that we um, can break down this distorted understanding of who we are and become more aware and step into our true identity in Christ. But you know, the funny thing is, just knowing this stuff and understanding it doesn't change our life. Um, we have to engage with Jesus, maybe repeatedly, in the different corridors of our life. And although I've um, learned about inner healing about 15 years ago, and I've experienced amazing layers of healing, I know that there's probably going to be lots more. Um, but I love this scripture, Galatians 5.1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So there's some pieces in that that I really enjoy. Uh, one of them is stand firm. We have opportunity every day to step back into some bondage that we've already been healed of or to be offended and become slaves to unforgiveness. So I'm learning how to stand firm in what Jesus has said about me and what he's inviting me to. And the imagery of a race is helpful. It's helpful for me. I hope it's helpful for you because there's nothing easy about a race. You sweat, you hurt, you sacrifice, but if you want to win the race, you keep on going and you do the stretches and the exercises necessary to get there. Um, and, and the same is true spiritually, that as we invite Jesus into each of these areas of our life, um, he is so willing to meet with us there and his heart's desire for each of us is freedom that we would in this tight relationship with Father, Jesus and Holy Spirit that we would be able to experience his peace and his joy and that we'd be able to partner with him wholeheartedly in advancing his kingdom. This is just an awesome opportunity that we have in life. Um, so I'm wondering if we can take a minute. Um, David has already in the communion uh, piece walked us through the salvation prayer that if anybody hadn't um, invited Jesus into that front foyer of our life, um, he walked us through that. Um, so maybe, Lovemore, we'll, we'll go to the next piece, which is a prayer for inviting Jesus into the rooms of our house. You're on the ball. Thank you. Um, so this prayer is just uh, pretty broad, um, but it's just asking, asking the Lord that he would co come and help us to open the doors 
of some of these rooms that we may have not invited him into at this point. And then we're just going to ask him to speak. Is there anything, Lord, that you want to show me this morning? So if your hearts are ready and willing, um, he can show you your next step. Let's pray. Actually, can we stand up? And if you're comfortable, if this is something that you'd like to pray, the words are on the screen so that you can, we'll pray it together out loud. And I know this is hard to read. The side screens might make it easier. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming into the front hall of my life and renewing my heart. I now extend an invitation for you to come into all of the rooms of my mind, which need renewing as well. Thank you. So we'll just read it from here. That's a good solution. <laughs> See, I'm not stupid. Okay, dear Jesus, I realize that I have never invited you to come into my house or into my heart. I understand that you have been patiently standing outside my front door for a long time, waiting to be asked to come in. I turn to you now and with my will, I invite you to come into my life. I open my front door and ask you to come in and heal my heart. I lay down all my rebellion, pride, and self-centeredness. I submit to you now as my Lord and Savior. Please help me now to know your truth and I commit myself to being obedient to your will and commandments. I pray this in the true name Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay, so it was the next, next slide we will do as well. So dear Jesus, thank you for coming into the front hall of my life and renewing my heart. I now extend an invitation for you to come into all the rooms of my mind which need renewing as well. There are parts of my mind that I've never surrendered to you. I desire your truth and divine healing, power to transform my mind. I want to be free. Would you show me any areas of my life that I've not yet invited you into? So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak. We just give you this opportunity to speak to our hearts and minds. Reveal to us, Lord, what you are, what door you're knocking on, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, uh, I think lots of you know that we have a freedom team here and our team is happy to meet with anybody that would be um, interested in inviting Jesus into uh, a room of their life that he, they haven't at this point or just interested in healing, restoring their hearts and minds.